Good morning, family. Welcome to today's podcast. I am an alcoholic. Name is Fernando. I am in recovery. And Alanon. And etc. 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 Let's go ahead and open the session with a moment of silence, followed by the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who wrong against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Stay. 17 of December. A priceless reward. Work with other alcoholics it works when other activities fail. Alcoholic Anonymous, page 89. Today's daily reflection says, Life will take on a new meaning, as the big book says. This promise has helped me to avoid self-seeking and self-pity. To watch others grow in this wonderful program, to see them improve the quality of their lives, is a priceless reward for my effort to help others. Self-examination is yet another reward for an ongoing recovery. As our serenity, peace, and contentment, the energy derived from seeing others on a successful path or sharing with them the joys of the journey give to my life a new meaning. All right, all right. Thank you so much. I'm Fernando. I am an alcoholic. And, you know, even if I'm not in contact with others, I can... You know, this is hard to do, but it is 12-step work. It's to say a prayer for others. You know, keep praying for them. Say, God, uh, I give these guys into your hands, you know, and you mention their names, and keep them and help them and keep teaching them. Don't let them go. Fix them, Jesus. Fix them. Use your higher power's name if you, to fix the problem. And then after a while, you'll see transformation you'll see they'll call you counsel you you actually open the way for others to contact you and for you to do some meal or coffee or some physical face-to-face meeting with that person either in the success journey or continue to unravel the mysteries of alcohol drinking and the will and, and not surrendering so what we have here is a, a good process of communication is through surrendering to a higher power. All right, let's go ahead and shift gears real quick. Like we're going to move over to 24 hours a day. I'm Fernando Alcoholic, a priceless day today. It's going to be a great next two days. So we, we ask our higher power to bless the next two days that remarkable things will happen. Remember, with God, all things are possible. With our higher power, all things are possible. All he needs is our failures. All he needs is our our hiccups, our, our wrong words we said. All he needs is obedience from us, is to thank him. The problem is, is not the problem for me, folks. The situation for me is the challenge of me not saying thank you, not being grateful enough, not raising the bar high enough, saying thank you for this elephant that's standing on my foot. So then I scream with pain, and someone hears me, and they say, hey, you got a pretty good voice. Let's put a contract here for you. And then I make records and millions of dollars. That is the, the beauty of getting through the pain of saying thank you. And then that's a sacrifice. I don't have anything else to bring to the, to the power, the higher power of the universe, but I do have my failures. I do have my sin. I do have my hiccups. I put those in the altar. And it works. (laughs) Half the people say, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard of, to thank God that your wife ran away with your best friends. Yeah. To thank God they repossessed your car. Yeah. To thank God your kids are are running amok. Yep. If If you don't try something new, try it for three months. See if you don't get better blood pressure, humor, wisdom, and a check. You check yourself. What is my part? That's a quick 10-step. 
is when you thank God for the problem, it's a quick ten step because the spirit the spirit tells you, well, what's your part? Well, what could you have done? Well, how did you, what did you do to to uh, provoke it? How did you play a part on it? We're so innocent, poor me. Huh? Anyway, I'm uh, I'm over crossing my boundaries. I'm sorry. I apologize. God bless you. The guy that told me that his when his feet hurt, it was a roommate that came out of rehab. I told the cat, hey, thank God that your feet hurt. And I've been working with this guy for four years. And he said, oh, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard of. You know, and some people will tell you that. Some people cannot. They stubbornly cannot thank God for their alcohol drinking. Well, I don't know. That's not what they stubbornly can say. Go to AA because they say it's a cult, but they love their drinking. They stubbornly say, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard of. Thank God that my feet hurt. Well, the poor guy continued to went on there, and he died a couple of years later, making wrong choices. Pharmaceutical doctors trying to help him overloaded him with pills. The fourth killer in the United States is overtaking a pharmaceutical stuff. Okay, so I, I, I'm sorry for them, God. I thank you for those doctors. Greedy, greedy. 24 hours a day. Page 17, December 17, excuse me. AA thought for the day. The way of faith is, of course, not confined to AA. It is for everybody who really wants to live. But many people go through life without much of it. Many are doing so to their own sorrow. The world is full of lack of faith. Many people have lost confidence in any meaning of the universe. Many are wondering if it has any meaning at all. Many are at loose ends. Life has no goal for many. They are strangers in the land. They are not at home. But for us in AA... The way of faith is the way of life. We have proved by our past lives that we could not live without it. Do I think I could live happily without faith? Meditation for the day. We have proved by our past lives that we could not live without it. That's right. Meditation for the day. He make it his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends the rain on the just and the unjust. God does not interfere with the working of natural laws. The laws of nature are unchangeable. Otherwise, we could not depend on them. As far as natural laws are concerned, God makes no distinction between good and bad people. Sick or deaf may strike anywhere. But spiritual laws are also made to be obeyed. Our choice of good or evil depends on whether we go upward to true success and victory in life or downward to loss and defeat. <coughs> Our choice of good or evil depends on whether we go upward to true success and victory in life or downward to loss and defeat. Prayer for the day. I pray that I may choose today the way of the spiritual life. I pray that I may live today with faith and hope and love. Wow. Wow. Okay, family, that's about, uh, we have, what else have we got? We got a bonus day today. We're going to be reading a little article from the grapevine from 1993. And right here it's called, this was sent to us from Dale C. from Tacoma, Washington. And it's called, wow. What's it called? Shared experience. That's what it's called. Shared experience. Oh, excuse me. It's called AA Afloat. AA Afloat. From Dale C. Tacoma, Washington. I'll read Share Experience tomorrow on tomorrow's session. It says right here, In June 1991, I had been sober and a member of AA for over three years. I entered the fellowship very skeptical of a higher power in my life. And though I talk a good second and third step at meetings, I still wasn't firmly convinced there really was a higher power in my life. 
But in June, that all changed. I was the skipper of a fishing vessel on my way with a new crew of five across the Gulf of Alaska from Sitka to Kodiak. When the vessel had an electric short, when we were 150 miles offshore, for two days we drifted while waiting for assistance. The boat was brand new and had broken down more than not, not during the fish fishing season, and I was quite discouraged. Again, the boat was brand new and had broken down more than not during the fishing season, and I was quite discouraged. I was alone in the wheelhouse on the radio watch at 3 a.m. as we drifted and was convinced that if there was a higher power in my life, then it was one I no longer wanted to rely on. And if I any crew and if any crew member, despite my orders, had some booze hidden away, I might as well have him share it with me. We were in touch with the Coast Guard on our single handed sideband, a radio which can broadcast and receive over several thousand miles. I was about ready to make my scheduled contact with the Coast Guard and then ask for a drink. When a voice came over the radio, Does anybody out there know Bill W.? Wow. Five or six people quickly answered in the affirmative, and one suggested that all mariners should take it one day at a time. I realized that the radio call from an anonymous caller somewhere at sea was no coincidence, but was a message for me from my higher power. I immediately felt a sense of peace. A few weeks later, I was in Sitka explaining my boat's electrical problem to some listeners. One of them said if I had only taken the wi this wire and put it there and that wire and put it here, I had been all right. I explained that I knew nothing about electricity. Indeed, I found it cunning, baffling, and powerful. One member of the group asked me what I said, and I repeated it. He said he had heard that somewhere before. And it turned out he had attended AA meetings but had quit. Meanwhile, his life had become miserable and he wasn't sure what to do. A few months later, I talked to him again and learned that because of my chance remark about electricity, he had started attending AA meetings again, was sober, and his life was much better than it had been before. It took two days of drifting in the North Pacific, but I now firmly believe that not only is there a higher power protecting me, but that my higher power was at work in my life, even when I didn't believe in him. Dale C. from Tacoma, Washington. Thank you very much. Hit it out of the park. God bless you. All right. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I had an experience where I got married with a uh, a woman, of course. I like my seat, my... Uh, uh, my relationship with the wife now we're uh, being 12 years and I met her through 12-step work uh, the person I was helping had a sister and she came to help and I looked at the high shoes the black shoes and the legs and I said eh, why not Fernando yeah <laughs> one day at a time right and it worked you know very little knowledge of of or experience of who the, the person was and uh, because we both had a heart for a higher power and we had the 12 traditions to slap ourselves up against the wall and uh, step it worked always went to the uh, to the step for guidance and I just wanted to say uh, one the reason I brought that up is for two or three years into the turmoil of getting settled in. It's like two strong rivers when you get and they're both in turmoil. When they hit each other, boy, they're calamity as you can be. They override the banks and they spill over, and two strong rivers collide, and that's what happened in our marriage. And then, but you see, a few years down the line, it's peaceful. You can drift the boat and take a nap there's no waves everything is tranquil because we have the program we had surrender and we had thank you god i'm jealous thank you god i'm a misfit thank you god the bills are being under rears thank you god and all that got strained out by obedience by obedience someone out there needs to hear this message you don't 
I learned that either I'm going to learn how God works through this marriage, or I'm going to learn again on the same, uh, I'm going to same stubbornness with the next relationship and the next. So I decided to buckle down, buckle, and and get the the revelation of God was trying to tell me to live by faith, to thank Him for my problems and my attitude and my character defects, and voila, we got a good uh, understanding of faith. It's, it's smooth, the trust and confidence and everything is all time high. We so. I forgot the point. Okay, three years into it, when the turmoil was real strong, I got a text at 1.30 in the morning when we were up going at it. And the text said, uh, give it over to God, peace with God. I don't know who sent it, where it came from. I did not, the name was not identified. It was like a God sending me a message, guys, out of nowhere. As soon as I read that, I calmed down and went to sleep. So there is a God. I know who he is, and he is humorous and happy and joyful. He says that's that's the objective of the program, freedom. All right, now, talk to you later. Thank you very much. Let's pray. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Keep coming back, y'all. It's working. Reading today of Limitless Love and Faith to Faith. We'll start off with Limitless love first, December the 17th. In everything, give thanks. Rejoice always in everything, give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 18. New American Standard. When we talk about walking in love, we usually think about how we behave toward other people. But the one who deserves our love first and foremost is our Heavenly Father. We should treat Him above all with courtesy, appreciation, and respect. We shouldn't just do it on Sundays either. We shouldn't be content to lift our hands and tell the Lord how much we love Him and honor Him when we're in church, then walk out the door and start gripping, griping to each other about how lousy things have been. We all done that at times. We said a heartily amen during the sermon when the preacher talked about how God meets all of our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, Philippians 4.21. Then when we get home, we turn to our spouse and say, I don't know why God isn't taking care of us. We have all these bills piling up and he hasn't done anything to help us. Sometimes I wonder if he even remembers we're here. Do you know what that kind of talk is? It's called murmuring or complaining. And the Bible says God doesn't appreciate it. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 10.10 tells us that when the Israelites did it, they were destroyed. That in itself is reason enough to avoid an attitude of ingratitude. But the best reason to do it is simply because we desire with all our hearts to treat our God with love. One of the primary ways we do that is by rejoicing continually and giving thanks in everything. That means we don't allow ourselves to be depressed and downhearted. We purposely maintain a positive outlook and expectant faith. When something negative happens, we give thanks to God right in the midst of it. We don't thank Him for bad things because He isn't the author of them. The devil is, but we can say gratefully and thankful to God as we go through them. No matter how bad things are, we always have something to be thankful to God for. If nothing else, we have a life and breath in our bodies. We have the Word of God to teach us how to get through any situation and come out in victory. So we can say, Lord, this is a tough place. 
but I'm thankful to you that I don't have to stay in it. I can't stand on your word and things will turn around. I'm grateful that you never leave me or forsake me. You'll stay with me and see me through. Those are the kind of words the Lord appreciates. When we speak them, we are treating him with the love he so richly deserves. Amen. Now we switch over to faith to faith. December 17. Dare to Take Your Place by Kenneth Copeland. A covenant of grace, that's what you and I have with Almighty God. And the scripture is Titus 3, verses 4, 6, and 7. But after that, the kindness and love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs. Okay, let, let me read that again. It says, But after that the kindness and love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs. Titus 3, 4, 6, and 7. A covenant of grace, that's what you and I have with Almighty God, a covenant of grace. If you could truly grasp the significance of that, you'll never be the same again. What, what is exactly a covenant of grace, you ask? It's a relationship of favor that gives you access to someone else's power. A relationship of favor that gives you access to someone else's power. An illustration of a covenant of grace is the covenant of all Sicilian family members have with the godfather of the family. In that group, a weak person might come in and ask the Don for a favor. The Don would say, I will grant this favor and I will ask a favor of you. And when that time comes, I will collect. Once that was said, the weak person would become excited. Suddenly he knew he would no longer have this problem because anyone who tried to rough him up would now have to face the Godfather, the one with all the power. Suddenly the little guy's attitude would change. He would leave the presence of the head of the family in the full assurance that he didn't have a thing to worry about. He was no longer small and powerless in his own mind. He had gained favor, grace with the powerful. He walked out thinking, everything is handled. All I have to do now is whatever the Don asks me to do, and the Don knows I don't have anything, so whatever he asks me to do, he'll provide the word well, with all to do it. That's grace. God's willingness to enter into blood covenant with you and give you everything he has in exchange for everything you have. He took your sin to give you his righteousness. He took your sickness to give you his help. He took your poverty in order to meet all your needs according to his riches and glory Whenever he asks you to do something, he provides everything you need to carry it out. The great Jehovah, God of heaven and earth, is your Father God. Can you understand that? If you're under the blood of Jesus, you've been made a covenant of child of the most powerful being in the universe. Dare to take your place in the family. And the scripture reading is Luke 4, 14 and 21. Luke chapter 4, verse 14 and 21. All right, let's take a look at that. Here we go. Luke 4. Fourteen. 
Okey-doke. Change the language. New Living Testament. Jesus returned to Galilee filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. He taught regularly in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went, as usual, to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah, the prophet, was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, and sat down. All eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. Then he began to speak to them. The scripture you just heard has been fulfilled this very day. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. that we use is called the set aside prayer and the the, the guy that uh greg likes he's called uh uh he's from youtube and he's got the highest hits on youtube you know like seven hundred thousand hits he's got more than clancy and and i met him yeah he's from las vegas and i i met him uh is uh, uh and he uh he invited me to, to the to meetings in las vegas Anyway, he does this prayer, and I think this prayer is his key to success in, in life. He says this prayer before he starts talking. I, I copied it verbatim from us. You know, we, we've... Uh, good morning, Rick. There he is. Good morning. All right, I like that T-shirt. Savage. We got... Uh. We got Sean. Sean's been with us before. Remember, he, he run around trying to get his kids ready for school with his big book um, here we go thank you everyone for coming in today's zoom me- meeting of reading of the big book today's uh, reading we go Lord help me to set aside everything I think I know about you everything I think I know about myself everything I think I know about others and everything I think I know about my recovery my own for a new experience in you Lord for a new experience in myself a new experience in my fellow man and a much-needed ex- new experience in my recovery in Jesus' name. Let's go ahead and pray. Amen. Let's go ahead and pray the Our Father. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Okay, let's go ahead and uh, see if we can do uh, uh, three quarters of a session. We'll start off with uh, page 24, which is called uh, The Fact Is... Uh, the fact is that most alcoholics, for a reason yet obscure, have lost the power of choice in drink. Our so-called willpower becomes practically non-existent. We are unable at certain times to bring into our consciousness with sufficient force the memory of the suffering and humiliation of even a week or a month ago. We are without defense against the first drink. The almost certain consequence that follows taking even a glass of beer do not crowd into the mind to deter us. If these thoughts occur, they are hasty and readily supplanted with the old treadbare idea that this time we shall handle ourselves like other people. There is a complete failure of that kind of defense that keeps one from putting his hand on a hot stove. Rick? Bill Hallett may see himself in most kind of way and won't burn me this time, so here's how. Or perhaps he doesn't think at all how often of us begin to drink in a slut way and after a third or fourth pound out of the bar, 
said to ourselves, for God's sake, how did I ever get started again? Only to have that thought supplanted by, well, stop by the sixth drink or what's use anyhow. When this sort of thinking is fully established in an individual with alcoholic tendencies, he's probably puts himself beyond human aid and uh, less locked up may die or go permanently insane. This sharp and ugly facts have been confirmed by legions of alcoholics throughout history, but by the grace of God, we would have been thousands more convincing demonstrations. So many of us want to stop, but cannot. There is a solution. Almost none of us like the self-searching, the leveling of our pride, the confession of our shortcomings, which the process requires for a successful consummation. But we saw that it really worked in others. And we had come to believe in the hopelessness and futility of life as we have been living it. When, therefore, we were approached by those in whom the problem had been solved, there was nothing left for us but to pick up the simple kit of spiritual tools laid at our feet. We have found much in heaven, and we have been rocketed into a fourth dimension of existence, which we have not even dreamed. The great fact is just this, and nothing less, that we have had deep and effective spiritual experiences which have revolutionized our whole attitude towards life, towards our fellows, and towards God's universe. The central fact of our lives today is the absolute certainty that our Creator has entered into our hearts and lives in a way which is indeed miraculous. He has commenced to accomplish those things for us which we can never do by ourselves. If you were serious before, we believe there's no middle of road solution there. We were in a position where life was becoming impossible and we had to pass through a region in which there is no return. New human aid, we had but two alternatives. One's a goal, two out to the bitter end. Blotting out the consciousness in uh, an intolerable situation as best as we could, and the other is to accept spiritual help. This we did because we wanted, honestly wanted to, and we're willing to make the effort. Page 62, please. Selfishness, self-centeredness that we think is the root of our troubles. Driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, and self-pity. We step on the toes of our fellows and they retaliate. Sometimes they hurt us seemingly without provocation, but we invariably find that at some time in the past, we have made decisions based on self, which later place us in a position to be hurt. So our troubles, we think, are basically of our own making. They arise out of ourselves, and the alcoholic is an extreme example of self-will run riot, though he usually doesn't think so. Above everything, we alcoholics must be rid of this selfishness. We must or it kills us. God makes that possible. And there often seems no way of entirely getting rid of self without his aid. Many of us had moral and philosophical convictions galore, but we could not live up to them, even though we would have liked to. Neither could we reduce our self-centeredness much by wishing or trying on our own power. We had to have God's help. This is the how and the why of it. First of all, we had to quit playing God. It didn't work. Next, we decided that after drama life, God was going to be our director. He is the principal. We are his agents. He is the father. We are his children. Most good ideas are simple, and this concept was a keystone to the new triumphant arch would pass through freedom. When we sincerely took such a position, all sorts of remarkable things followed. We had to employ being all-powerful. We provided what we needed. If we established... Oh, if we kept close to him and formed to work well. Established on such a footing, we became less and less interested in ourselves and our little plans of design. More and more, we became interested in seeing what we could contribute to life because we felt the new power flow, flow in and enjoyed peace of mind. We discovered we could face life successfully. As we became conscious of his presence, we began to lose a fear of today, tomorrow, and thereafter. We were reborn. We were now at step three. <clears throat> Many of us said to our maker, as we understood him, God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. <clears throat> Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. <clears throat> we thought well before taking this step, making sure we were ready, that we could at last abandon ourselves utterly to, to him. Page 76, please. <clears throat> when ready, we say something like this. My creator, I am now willing that he should have all of me, good and bad. I pray that you now remove from me every single defect of character which stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. Grant me strength as I go out from here to do your bidding. Amen. We have then completed step seven. 
Page 86, please, on awakening. On awakening, we think about our 24 hours ahead. We consider our plans for the day. Before we even begin, we ask God to direct our thinking, especially asking for to reward us. We can reward us from self-pity to silence, self-seeking motives. Under these conditions, we employ our mental faculties with insurance. For after all, God gave us brains to use. Our thought life will be placed on a much higher plane when this sort of thing is clear to wrong motives. Even at our day, we face a decision we may not be able to determine which course to take. Here's where we ask God for inspiration and true thought or decision. We relax, take it easy. We don't struggle. We are often surprised how right the answers will come after we have tried this for a while. What usually, what used to be the hunch or the occasional inspiration gradually becomes a working part of the mind. Being still and experienced and having just made conscious contact with God, it is not probable that we are going to be inspired at all times. We might pay for this presumption in all sorts of absurd actions and ideas. Nevertheless, we find that our thinking will, as time passes, be more and more on the plane of inspiration. We come to rely upon it. We usually conclude the period of meditation with a prayer that we be shown all through the day what our next step is to be, that we be given whatever we need to take care of such problems. We ask especially for freedom from self-will and are careful to make no requests for ourselves only. We may ask for ourselves, however, if others will be helped. We are careful never to pray for our own selfish ends. Many of us have wasted a lot of time doing that, and it doesn't work. You can easily see why. If circumstances warrant, we ask our wives and friends to join us in morning meditation and belong to a religious domination which requires nothing of the morning equal devotion. We attend that also. If we're not members of religious bodies, we sometimes select and memorize the consent prayers which emphasize the principles that we have been discussing. There are many helpful books also. Suggestions of these may be obtained by one's priest, minister, or rabbi. Be quick to see where religious people are right. Make use of what they have to offer. As we go through the day, we pause and agitate or doubtful, we ask for the right thought or action. We constantly remind ourselves we are no longer running the show. We humbly say to ourselves, many times we say, that will be done. We are in less much less danger of excitement, fear, anger, worry, self-pity, close decisions. We become more and more efficient. We do not tire so easily. We are not burning up energy foolishly as we did, as we were when we are trying to arrange our lives to suit ourselves. Thank you. Okay, let's jump over to page 416, please. It helped me. It helped me a great deal to become convinced that alcoholism was a disease, not a moral issue. That I've been drinking as a result of compulsion, even though I have not been aware of the compulsion at the time. And that sobriety was not a matter of willpower. The people of AA had something that looked much better than what I had, but I was afraid to let go of what I had in order to try something new. <clears throat> there was a certain sense of security in the familiar. <clears throat> Excuse me. At last, acceptance proved to be the key to my drinking problem. After I've been around AA for seven months, tapering off alcohol and pills, not finding the program working very well, I was finally able to say, Okay, God, it is true that I, of all people, strange as it may seem, and even though I didn't give my permission, really, really am an alcoholic of sorts, and it is all right with me. Now, what am I going to do about it? When I stopped living in the problem and began living in the answer, the problem went away. From that moment on, I have not had a single compulsion to drink. <laughs> Answer all my problems today when I'm through service because I find some person, place, or thing, or some fact in my life unacceptable to me. I can find no surrender until I accept that person, place, thing, or situation as being exactly the way it's supposed to be at the moment. Nothing, absolutely nothing happened in God's world by mistake. Until I accept my alcoholism, I cannot stay sober. Unless I can accept my life completely out of life's terms, I cannot be happy. I need not to concentrate so much on what needs to be changed in the world, but what needs to be changed in me and my attitudes. Shakespeare said all the world of stage and all the men and women are merely players. He forgot to mention I was a true critic. I was also able to see the flaw in a person in every situation, and I was always glad to point it out because I knew he wanted perfection just as I did. AA has acceptance has uh, taught me that there's a bit of good in, in the worst of us and a bit of bad in the best of us. And we are all children of God, and we each have the right to be here. When I complain about me or about you, I complain about God's hand, and I'm 
For years, I was sure that the worst thing that could happen to a nice guy like me would be that I would turn out to be an alcoholic. <clears throat> Today, I find it is the best thing that has ever happened to me. This proves I don't know what's good for me, and if I don't know what's good for me, then I don't know what's good or bad for you or for anyone, so I'm better off if I don't give advice. Don't figure I know what's best and just accept life on life's terms as it is today, <clears throat> especially my own life as it actually is. Before AA, I judged myself by my intentions while the world was judging me by my actions. Acceptance has been the answer to my marital problems. It is though AA had given me a new pair of glasses. Max and I have been married now for 35 years. Prior to our marriage, when she was a shy, scrawny adolescent, I was able to see things in her that others couldn't necessarily see. Things like beauty, charm, gaiety, a gift of being easy to talk to, a sense of humor, and many other fine qualities. It was as if I had, rather than a Midas touch, which turned everything to gold, a magnifying mind that magnified whatever it focused on. Over the years, as I thought about Max, her good qualities grew, grew, and grew, and we married. And all these qualities became more apparent to me, and we were happier and happier. Let's go ahead and jump to page 420, please. Perhaps. Perhaps the best thing for, of all for me is to remember that my serenity is universally proportional to my expectations. The higher my expectations of Max and other people, the lower my serenity. I can watch my serenity level rise when I discard my expectations, but my rights return to be a late too can't force my serenity level down. I, can, I have to discard my rights as well as my expectations by asking myself how important is it really, how important is it compared to my serenity and my emotional sobriety. And when I place more value on my serenity and my sobriety than anything else, I can maintain it at a higher level, at least for the time being. Except this... I never just sit, down, sit and do nothing while waiting for them to tell me what to do. Rather, I do whatever's in front of me, what needs to be done, and I leave the results up to him, however it turns out God's will for me. I must keep my magic right in my mind on my acceptance and on my expectations, for my surrounding is directly proportional to my level of acceptance. When I remember this, I can see I've never had it so good. Thank God for it. Amen. Let's turn to page uh, 100, please. Both you and the new man must walk day by day in the path of spiritual progress. If you persist, remarkable things will happen. When we look back, we realize that the things which came to us when we put ourselves in God's hands were better than anything we could have planned. Follow the dictates of a higher power and you will presently live in a new and wonderful world, no matter what your present circumstance. Page 83, please. If we are painstaking about this phase of our development, we will be amazed before we're halfway through. We're going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. We will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace. No matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. <clears throat> we will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. <clears throat> we will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Are these extravagant promises? We think not. They are being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They will always materialize if we work for them. Page 85, please. It's easy to learn from our spiritual program of rest in our, our laurels. We're headed for trouble if we do. We're alcoholics and subtle foe. We're not cured of alcoholism. What we really have to do is believe the constant maintenance of a spiritual condition, which every day is a day. We must. Well, I lost my place. So every day is a day we must carry out this, this vision of God's will into all of our activities. This how may I preserve thee, and thy will, thy mind be done. These are thoughts that must go with us constantly, and we exercise uh, our willpower along the line, all of which it is proper use of the will. Much has already been said about receiving strength and inspiration and direction from him who has all knowledge and power. We have carefully followed directions. We have begun to sense a flow of the spirit into us, and to some extent we have become God conscious. We have begun to develop a vital success. Well, we must go further. That means more action. 
Page 43, please. Once more, the alcoholic at certain times has no effective mental defense against the first drink. Except in a few rare cases, neither he nor any other human being can provide such a defense. His defense must come from a higher power. Deanne, beautiful, 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 beautiful readings, man. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Rick, for helping me. Thank you, everyone. Let's go ahead and uh, close the session with the serenity prayer, please. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Keep coming back. It works if you work it. <laughs> Hi, welcome to today's podcast. I'm Fernando, a member of Elnon, and let's go ahead and open this meeting with a moment of silence. With the serenity prayer, please. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Amen. All right. Well, we have, we're going to be doing readings of the three Elnam books. And for me, my friend Patrick here is going to lead us on the reading and commenting. So I'm going to switch it over to comments. Uh, from Patrick from Experience, Strength, and Hope, if there's any that he'd like to talk about. Thank you. Well, greetings. Uh, my name is Patrick. I am in recovery in both programs. And today I'll be reading from Hope for Today for December 17th. Looking back on, to my childhood, I don't remember any secrets. I just remember not talking about certain subjects, such as sex, money, and religion. My family also had trouble communicating about love, fear, insecurity, and anger. Years later, my husband, three children, and I didn't share at all. We didn't even argue. We thought we were respecting each other by swallowing our thoughts and feelings about potentially hot topics. Actually, we were all emotionally frozen. I am grateful Al-Anon has helped me talk about almost any issue. Going to meetings and having time to share has been powerful for my recovery. I even told my 12-year-old daughter about a mistake I made and the amends I had planned to correct it. She looked so surprised as if I had given her permission to be human too. Today, my immediate family talks about all sorts of topics. We work hard at being honest with each other and we are closer because of it. And today's thought for the day. Thanks to my healthy sharing and listening experiences in Al-Anon, I can risk being true to myself with family members and allow family members to risk being themselves with me. I will dare to be myself. Thank you. Now, our second reading is from the book of Courage to Change, also an Al-Anon publication, December 17th. Again and again in Al-Anon meetings over the years, I heard the suggestion to pray for those I resented. My early attempts to follow this suggestion did me little good. Over time, however, it has become one of the most effective tools of my recovery. What made the difference? I stopped praying for other people to change. It used to be, please God, let them stop hurting me. Or show them that I'm right. Or get them sober and hurry. Today I focus on what I can change instead. I ask for a new way of thinking about the situation. I keep in mind whatever is bothering me when I say the serenity prayer. What is it that I need to accept or change? I pray for the wisdom to know the difference and the serenity and courage to follow through with what I learn. Finally, I pray that the person in question be given the serenity, love, and joy that I want for myself. We all deserve that. Today's reminder. Resentments mark the places where I see myself as a victim. I want to let them go because they cost me too much self-esteem. I will love myself enough to release myself from the closet in which resentments keep me locked. And here's a quote. <clears throat> quote. If we want to stop the vicious cycle of unhappiness, we must learn new ways of living, new ways of relating to each other. End quote. And our third ring today is also from Al-Anon, 
one day at a time in Al-Anon. December 17th. The husband of an alcoholic from an Al-Anon group in France writes to the World Service Office, quote, I recall our blackboard at school. The writing was often hard to read because the board had been wiped with a cloth that was loaded with chalk dust. Then we would wipe it with a wet sponge and the board would be clean and black so we could read clearly what was written on it. It is not the same with the anxieties that troubled me. If I wish to erase them from my mind, I must not use a cloth full of dusty thoughts, but pass the sponge over it with, so that no trace of what was written before can jumble up the fresh inspiration, the ideas I want to see and live with. Today's reminder. From every corner of the world, people in Al-Anon reach out to each other with helpful thoughts. How vividly this young Parisian husband shows us the need to erase our useless anxieties from our minds and our hearts. Today's quote. quote, I pray that I may start each new day with a clean blackboard and write upon it only what is good for me. End quote. Thank you. I'll be reading today from the book titled Limitless Love, a 365-day devotional by Kenneth and Gloria Copeland. We'll be reading, the reading today is for July 27th. Limitless Love, the blessing of giving. I have showed you all things how that so laboring ye ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. And that's from Acts 20.35. Most people quote this verse without having any idea what it really means. Yes, brother, they say in their most pious tone of voice, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Why? Have you ever asked that question? What is it that's so much better about giving than receiving? I'll tell you. It's when you're giving that you begin to understand something about the heart of God. It's when you're giving with a cheerful attitude and a true desire to bless someone that you get a glimpse into the mind of your Heavenly Father. The more you give, the more you realize how much joy there is in it. You start finding out how much fun it is to be like Him. You become more aware that He is in you and that His nature springs to life when you start to express it. What's more, as you experience the delight of blessing others, you get a first-hand look at how much the Lord delights in blessing you. As a result, your faith is strengthened. That's why giving puts receiving into motion. Receiving doesn't put giving into motion. Once you give, your revelation of God's love increases and you're better able to receive. Then, because you caught on to the thrill of giving, your receiving just becomes a way for you to give more. If you get on that road and stay on it, you'll act more like God every day. You'll want to meet every need you see. My mother was like that. Not so much in the realm of finances, but in the area of prayer. She had a revelation of the power of prayer and started praying for others at an early age. She was at the throne of God day and night, obtaining blessing or helping for someone who needed it. She lived to pray for people and got greater joy from it than you can imagine. In the process, she learned more about God than most folks will ever know. She was so close to him, she could get him to do just about anything for her. I remember once the Lord guaranteed I wouldn't fail in ministry. When he asked him why, he simply said, Because I have your mother in my face. <laughs> Mama was like that even on her very last days on earth. Just before she died, she got so weak that the doctor ordered her not to pray for anyone else. Her body was just worn out, and he wanted her to preserve her strength. But even so, she was praying for people who were in the hospital with her right up to the very end. At a time when you would expect her to be asking for prayer from others, she was still getting a thrill out of giving it away. No doubt she entered heaven shouting hallelujah and looking for someone to pray for because she's discovered it's more blessed to give than to receive.
Thank you and amen. That's that's what's going on. Okay, let's go ahead and keep uh, recording. We're talking about how uh, today's example of what's the greatest blessing an alky or a narcotics guy or someone can do for others. Now explain that to me again. I'm Fernando Alcoholic. I'm talking with Patrick. Simply by staying sober. Uh, simply by staying sober, we can, uh, especially it's those people that are loving family, our uncles, aunts, brothers and sisters, sons and daughters, everyone that cares for us, we, we have them on edge as long as we're out there in the danger of drinking and brawling and fighting. Uh, for instance, I just got a report that I think you know him, the young man that you talked to once, uh, the police officer. Uh, I just heard he went out back drinking and he was at a bar. He got stabbed on Monday. And, uh, yeah, I had him talk to you and say hi to you on the phone when you were out there drinking. We were trying to bring, yeah. Remember that little conversation? Barely. <laughs> anyway, what do you think about... Uh, what do you tell a person that's coming fresh from out of there? And you said, what, he's got, what, so many days sober? A Let's just say three weeks, three days. A person has three weeks sober. All of a sudden, reality is settling in, and the gravity of his past is catching up with him. And in my case, I would get a little restless and say, okay, and actually write down, well, my son, uh, my wife, and this and that. And then, you know, it just dawned on me, well, someone explain it to me first. Just by staying sober, those people don't have to worry about you. Your wife doesn't have to sit up late at night waiting for you to crawl home from the bar or get that phone call, phone call from the cops or the hospital. So just by staying sober, if that's all you can do that day until you get out and really start going into action, don't worry about it. That, that's all that's meant to be done at that time. And you communicate with them and say, I'm better by the day. And here's my progress. And uh, I've noticed that people will notice a certain change in the tone of your voice, the inflection, or when they see you, you look full of life. And you're not, you know, down in the dumps all the time, even if you're sober, we tend to get depressed and down on ourselves. So just realize that just by doing that, you are making progress, even though you don't see it immediately. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Amen. I can see that, too, that uh, they're at peace and at ease. And the greatest blessing we could do to our parents and other is to get on with our life and go and enjoy it. Go and enjoy our life. And they said, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm doing this hobby, that hobby, you know, and, and they get inspired by us enjoying it. I'm walking the beach, enjoying the, the ocean. I said, or, you know, just little projects like that. I'm taking my dog to be groomed, you know. Yeah. Those things we wouldn't do before. Little things. <laughs> yeah, I'm taking right. care of my car. I just spend it, you know, so much to make sure it drives perfectly well. And uh, and I'm not holding back like I would if I would have been drinking, right? Right. Riding it down to the ground. So there's a lot, lot to it that we give without realizing that we're blessing others now. You know, what a blessing. A lot of it reminds me of that movie, uh, a one, It's a Wonderful Life. You know that movie about uh, with James Stewart? Oh, yeah. Where he's, yeah. he's given a tour of the life, the people around him, had he not been born. And it turns out he affected so many people when he was, the, even though he was down on himself, he was to the brink of suicide. And this angel, I guess his name is Clarence in the movie, pointed out, you know, your life was by no means a waste at all. You saved this person. You did that for that person. And you don't remember. So, in a way, to put that in terms, for me at least, maybe you too, it's like, well, gee whiz, if I wasn't sober, that wouldn't have happened. I, couldn't, I would not have been able to help my son do this, or my ex-wife, or whatever, or take care of my little dog. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Well, it's just the little things that we don't think about, but other people may remember years later and say, I remember when you walked my dog when I was really sick. Well, well thank you. you know. Thank you. 
Amen. That's all we can say. Is thank you. And that's uh -huh. a great reward right, right there, just being acknowledged and thanked for it. You know, I heard uh, just say this. I, I, I see a lot of uh, near-death experiences on YouTube. And the lady says, I, I was going to do a life review. I died on the op operating table, but I came back, of course, because I was over there for three hours, four hours. And they were doing a life review on me. And I hear I thought I was going to be all the bad things I'd done. No, it was exactly what you just mentioned. They review all the good things, mm. you know, all the good things I'd done, you know, the review, yeah. you know. And uh, I did this for that person. I, I got out of the way for that. I defused this situation or that. And, um, and that right there was uh, exemplary. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you, if you think about it, there are things that I can remember that have, you know, affected other people in a positive way, I'd like to think. Amen. Well, thank you very much for this quick interview on the power of blessing others through having fun with abstinence. You're welcome.